A good relationship must have trust. And some things violate trust so badly it can never be recovered. For people who are traumatized as kids, having to ignore bad treatment and untrustworthiness from parents, because as a child, of course, no matter how badly your parents betrayed you, you had to keep putting your trust in them. But now later, you may have a poor boundary against people who behave in an untrustworthy way towards you. And instead of getting away from them because of your conditioning, you may get confused, depressed, guilty, and feel helpless and stuck. So my letter today is from a woman I'll call Cheyenne, and she writes, Hi Anna, I got married young, age 20. My husband got a vasectomy within the first two years of marriage because we both agreed we didn't want children. After he finished graduate school almost two years ago, he decided he wanted a baby. He reversed his vasectomy despite my objections, she says. Although to be fair, I wasn't extremely objectionable. I made it clear I didn't want a child, but I supported his right to do what he felt he wanted to do with his body. Once he was reversed, he started pressuring for a baby, telling his mother we were trying. He didn't want to wear condoms and was resentful and angry when I asked him to. And then he later admitted to poking holes to sabotage. And this was in year nine of marriage. All right, I've got the fairy pencil here and I'm circling a whole bunch of stuff here I want to come back to, but I'm going to read all the way through Tracy so I can hear what's going on. And then we'll go through and talk about what I circled. I asked to separate, she says, and we've been separated for about eight to 10 months because there was a short stint when I did go back and then left again. He maintains he's okay not having children and wants the relationship back. He has, quote, mourned the loss of the children he will never have, end quote, and wants a life with me. In the meantime, he's become very extra religious, attending a bunch of church services all the time, and emphasizes to me that marriage is for salvation and that kind of thing. In the meantime, I, however, fell for a friend of mine and entered into a relationship with him three months now. But I feel conflicted about the timing of this relationship taking place while I'm separated and I'm recovering from trauma and battling against the pressure to reunite with my husband. The situation feels unbearable and I experience severe guilt about not wanting to be with my husband. He tells me a lot how much he loves me, but I don't feel the same way anymore after what he did to me. However, that attachment is still there. It's attachment without love. I feel like I won't be okay without him, that I will fail, that I will end up homeless even though I have a good job and have maintained my own apartment for nine months now. A lot to circle here. Cutting that final string feels so unbelievably unbearable and I don't know how to recover from what I'm guessing is a trauma bond at this point. When I contemplate ending that bond, I go into a suicidal spiral and I want to hurt myself. Oh dear. I've been dealing with feelings of guilt about my new relationship because I have so many hangups about the marriage and I'm having extreme difficulty trusting and opening up. To make matters worse, I worry whether my decision-making is trauma-driven as to why I want to be with this friend. He was very emotionally supportive to me during the acute phase after learning of the betrayal. I pursued him, although he was willing. I worry he somehow took advantage of me when I was vulnerable. We tried to be cautious for a long time. It's just kind of a mess. 
I've been in therapy and I have learned I have codependency issues. I discovered my childhood was extremely traumatic. This was not something I previously accepted because I lived under the delusion that, well, I made it so I guess it wasn't that bad. I repressed a lot of memories which are now resurfacing as I go through therapy. I also learned I have fearful avoidant disorganized attachment which makes this all the more excruciating because I engage in severe push-pull with my new relationship. So in essence, I guess what I'm seeking is support, reassurance, thoughts on my situation. It's kind of a jumbled mess. Cheyenne. Okay, Cheyenne. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Wow. Um, yes, I think I can help. All right, I'll start at the beginning. We'll work our way towards what happened. So you got married young, age 20. That is very young to get married, and I'm wondering about that. I'm wondering what prompted that, but it's often the case when somebody gets married that young that there aren't the ingredients there in that relationship that sustain it long term. That's pretty common. And getting married young can also be a trauma-driven decision. You didn't talk about that past, but getting out of the house is a big motivation, wanting somebody who will be there for you, like thick and thin, you know, a bond, a legal, you know, joining with somebody. <clears throat> it helps with that fear of abandonment that I hear you've got pretty bad. So your husband got a vasectomy within the first two years because you both agreed you didn't want children. But then he finished grad school a couple years ago and he decided he wanted a baby. So he reversed the vasectomy and you objected and you're, you allow, well, I didn't object that strongly. And you told him very clearly you didn't want a child, but you supported his right to do what he felt he wanted to do with his body. Great, okay. So once he reversed, he started pressuring for a baby. So that's not cool. Pressuring is not cool. I, it's a very difficult situation because people do change their minds about things and he was married to you, but his, his hope to have a baby was contingent on you. And instead of kind of dealing with the dilemma for what it was, that either he had to accept where you were with it or leave the marriage and find somebody else, he did something terrible. So first it sort of worked his way up from pressuring to telling his mother you were trying, like he was in some la-la land with the whole thing. And then he didn't want to wear condoms and was resentful and angry when you asked him to, which is also very childish, right? Um, and then he later admitted to poking holes, to sabotage, and that was nine years into the marriage. So this happens. I've heard of this sometimes. The slang word for this is stealthing, and it's the word for when someone takes off the condom without telling their partner. Usually it would be the man. Occasionally it's the woman. And then poking holes is another version of the same thing. And poking holes, like some people do that because they secret, they want the sensation but not the truth to tell the other person. And it is abuse. It is abuse because what you consented to was, the, was sex with a condom that wasn't going to lead to pregnancy. That's what you consented to. So he did something to you that you, there was no consent for. And there were grave consequences too. It's a terrible thing to do. I don't blame you at all for being betrayed, and I think it would be virtually impossible to come back from that kind of betrayal, especially from someone, I don't know, it just, I'm not hearing anything that he really gets it. But that's the least of the problems right now, is whether he gets it anymore. So, yes, he sabotaged, and you separated. It's been eight or ten continuous months now, because you separated at first, came back, and then separated again, and that's normal for a couple who separates over something. 
He's telling you now he's okay not having kids and wants the relationship back. I can see why you don't really trust that. He has, quote, mourned the loss of the children he'll never have. Okay, that's, I'm sure that's what, you know, maybe he went to a therapist and that's what he was told he would have to do if he wanted to be back with you. And now he wants a life with you. But possibly he's somebody with trauma who will say anything or do anything or abandon himself and what he wants in life just so he doesn't lose somebody. But the relationship is pretty damaged now. And then you say he's become very extra religious, attending a bunch of church services all the time and emphasizes to me that marriage is for salvation and that kind of thing. And the way you write that and that kind of thing, it just sounds like um, this is not a value you share. You're not on board with it. Now, his wife left him. And and he made horrible mistakes and it would be normal for somebody to you know turn to their faith and go deeper when they're in going through a loss like that so i don't know i don't know if this is his permanent thing i'm not going to denigrate it but it doesn't satisfy it just doesn't answer the the problem does it of what he did in the meantime you fell for a friend and entered into a relationship with him, and you've been together three months now, but you feel conflicted about the timing uh, that it's while you're separated. And yes, I guess separated implies that you're holding space to get back together. And did you promise that you would be faithful? I don't know. So if that's a dishonest thing that's going on, yes, that's not good. Um, even, even though the person abused you, um, for you, it's obviously giving you a lack of peace and therefore not good. You're recovering from trauma. You're battling against the pressure to reunite with your husband. So yeah, that's what we call a rebound, a rebound relationship. And the thing is, you're not really emotionally available right now. You are processing a lot. You're still dealing with your attachment and your longing and your feeling that you can't leave your marriage. And it's, I just don't believe it's fair to another person who's trying to sincerely have a relationship with you to, to try to show up for them under those circumstances. I don't think that's honest or fair. Even if you are honest, you know, just continuing to have the relationship is inherently unfair and dishonest and is going to hurt him and is going to hurt you. It's going to hurt everybody. The thing that you're avoiding right now is the feelings coming up. And you say you've been in therapy, and I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're in therapy because you are in one of those moments when it's so important to have that strong support, especially when you told me that you get suicidal feelings when you think about ending the marriage. Even though you don't love them, you don't want to be there, you're really into somebody new, it just makes you feel like you're going to die. That sounds like abandonment melange. And I hope your therapist knows about abandonment melange. And if they don't, I suggest you and your therapist read Pete Walker's book, CPTSD, From Surviving to Thriving. Pete Walker. And that book talks about abandonment melange. And I think you're going to relate to this, OK? As he defines it, it is a toxic mix of emotions of intense grief, rage, and terror, all three happening at the same time. And I can tell you, I have that. When I first heard that definition, I was like, ah, that is what I've always had. And it has helped me so much to have a name for it. There's a name for it. And when it happens, you can say to yourself, I'm having abandonment melange. You go, okay, okay, so this terrible feeling like life isn't worth living, it's, a, it's almost like a bad dream or a scary movie that's playing in your mind and you can't quite come back from it until you can say to yourself, this is abandonment melange. And so you still have the feelings, but the fear that it's like that bad 
calms down. You just know, yes, it feels like this, and then it passes because this is a memory. It's an emotional memory from my childhood. So that sounds very much, what you're describing just sounds like that. An abandonment melange keeps people with CPTSD hostage. Our own emotions keep us hostage in relationships we do not want to be in. And that is so much how, well, this is a lot how trauma gets passed from generation to generation, as it was already bad before the kids, but now the kids, I mean, the parents have to stay together at least for a while. And I could totally see that happening for you, um, given his agenda and his seeming you know, misunderstanding of, of, of the betrayal that he did for you and not just like, he didn't just res not respect your wishes, he tr tried to trick you into a very terrible situation. No, it's broken, that's no good. So you've got guilt um, about, about the new relationship and I think the guilt is because it's not right to try to be with somebody when you're going through all this healing and trauma yourself, that's not right. But I don't blame you at all for just wanting somebody to be there for you, to have a friend and you know to put their arms around you and all that, what a nice thing to have. But, but the trauma can be made so much worse by the dynamics of a romantic relationship that you are not really in a position to have. I've been in therapy and I've learned I have codependency issues. Okay, I believe you, I, everything I'm hearing, it's even more than that. I discovered my childhood was extremely traumatic. You didn't accept it before, you sort of toughed it out. I, I used to do that too. And that's, that's fine, that's a good survival mechanism. And then things get bad enough that you have to kind of look at what it is, okay? And here we are. So, so you've learned you have a fearful avoidant and disorganized attachment, which makes this all the more excruciating because uh, you do severe push-pull. Yeah, push-pull is emotional abuse. I hate to tell you, I don't want you to do that to that guy. Disorganized attachment is um, a very good reason to be in therapy. It's a very hard condition. You can work on this. You can heal the symptoms. You can learn to show up for a relationship in a more steady way. But I don't think there's a snowball's chance in hell that you can do it under the circumstances right now. So my suggestion to you, Cheyenne, is to take some time to be alone to go to therapy, to participate maybe in 12-step meetings, and to have friends, and to do exercise, and to do things that give you joy, and make your life stable. And congratulations on being able to have your own apartment, and work, and take care of things. See, you can do this. You can do this. And there's such a great joy in being able to do that, and the, the pleasure of making yourself a nice, healthy dinner, and eating it, and washing the dishes and sitting down and you know watching TV, reading a book, and then turning out the light and going to bed. I know there's terror that it's gonna be like that forever, but it's very unlikely to be like that forever. This is your chance. This is your time to finally heal what happened to you in the past. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, Think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.